Have you brushed your teeth this morning? No, I got to eat breakfast first. Um, sometimes though, I brush my teeth, eat breakfast, and then I'll go brush my teeth again. Mm, I've noticed over the years you always brush your teeth at lunch as well. Is that right? Yeah. Let's see. I've got I've got good teeth. Yeah, so do I. I'm not saying you haven't, but we're just talking about my teeth for a second. Welcome to On The Turn Podcast. I'm Dale. And I'm Roxy. We've been friends for 16 years. And yet we've got nothing in common. Each week, one of us will challenge the other to try something new, something the other may not like. And at the end, we will ask, are you on the turn? What are you laughing at, Roxy? I'm not. I'm just a generally smiling person. <laughs> just so happy. Just so happy all the time. So this is our first episode where On The Turn has gone global, Roxy. Oh, well, I do feel incredibly international. I mean, well, I say that I don't feel international because I haven't actually gone anywhere. No. Whereas <laughs> you are now sitting where? I'm sitting in the lovely town, sorry, lovely village called Barrow-upon-Saw, which is in Leicestershire, um, which is where um, our producer slash my boyfriend Rob's uh, parents live. We're... We've regressed to Rob's childhood and we now live in Rob's um, childhood room. And does Rob's childhood room, I mean, I can see a little bit because we're actually on video as well as recording. I can see a little bit, but are there, sort of, like, is it a shrine to your boyfriend stroke our producer? If by shrine you mean is um, our producer slash my boyfriend Rob a hoarder, um, then <laughs> yes. Um, you've got everything. And he's actually... When I had to move all my shit in, he had to clean up quite a bit. Um, so there is, but there's still loads of shit. Well, darling, knowing your boyfriend stroke our producer as well as I do, I would have guessed that it's organised shit. Mm-hmm. And I can see from yeah. a little bit that I can see in the video, it looks very organised. So well done, your boyfriend stroke our producer. You're going to have yeah. shit, at least have organised shit. Well done. Yeah, no, exactly. And like it was just a teaser for some of the lessons I've learnt, which for the th- for the episode we're about to start. Oh, so is the on the turn this week you turning me on to packing well? No, no. Being organised? It's living in a minimalist fashion. Okay. Um, I'm going to move into the granny flash? No. Oh well, God. I would highly recommend it. Um, yeah. But I no. actually I, I used the shower for the first time in the granny flat the other day because my boiler wasn't working in the big house. So oh. I didn't shower. Oh, you used I my know. shower. I used your shower. I lived in my house for two and a half years. I've never done anything in that bathroom, so that was exciting. What else did you do in that bathroom? I was a bit kinky. What's this? Why are we like this with me? Sorry, it just regressed to like, you know, when you used to do webcam, web, webcam sex? <laughs> That's enough of that. That's creepy. Oh, my nipple went erect. <laughs> uh, it feels weird, actually, that I've got a shirt on. Maybe I'll take it off. Yeah. Um, no, so, it, it, yes, it is living minimally. It's not living in your annex. It is living in a camper van. Okay, so... 
I'm coming to Europe to be with you to live in your camper van? No, you won't fit in our camper van. Are you saying I'm fat? No, <laughs> it's just that it's not, it's, it does sleep for people, but it's a real stretch. Um, so it's really only suitable for Rob and I. Because I'm fat? No. Even though, are you saying I'm the equivalent of two, over two people? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, what I'm saying is that you only, you can only sleep four people in our camper van when the roof pops up. And in winter, you don't want to have the roof popped up. Yeah, all right. Because for those of you, I mean, I have to explain this to my mum every time, but when it's summer in the southern hemisphere, it's winter in the northern hemisphere. Yeah, I know that. No. <laughs> I'm not a dickhead. I'm not saying that your mother's a dickhead. Oh, now I'm like saying, you're, Rob, can you please edit that out because now it sounds like I'm calling Dale's mum a dickhead <laughs> for not knowing that. It's like I'm not coming to Europe to go camper vanning, so no. where am I going? Well, can, before we get to the challenge, um, because you'll need, you'll actually, for the challenge, you actually need to put in a little bit of um, organisational effort because I'm so far removed now. Um, but before we get into that, I thought maybe it would be worth me giving a little context of why I love living in a camper van and what my camper van story is. We call that in the in the biz van life. Okay. In the biz. In the camper van biz, yeah. So I think I mentioned a couple of episodes ago when when we talked about how we have the time to do a podcast, why we don't have full-time jobs, and that I said uh, it was probably a couple of years ago we threw, Rob and I threw in our jobs. Um, I was working in banking for 12 years. Rob um, was doing a really creative job, loved, which he loved as a radio producer, working for the UK's largest hit radio station, um, which is... Yeah, award, award winning, award winning radio producer. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, but I was sick of my job, so and I needed someone to drive me around Europe. So he had to quit his as well. <laughs> and uh, we we bought this camper van. Um, and I want to cr- very early on. I want to create the distinction between camper van and motorhome. Um, do you know the difference, Roxy? Well, I think a motorhome is like a Winnebago, so it's got like maybe a bathroom and kitchen and all that kind of stuff, whereas a camper van is just a van that you can sleep in. Is that right? Yeah. So, yeah, motorhome, you're right. Winnebago is a brand of motorhome. Um, they're the big, mm-hmm. big, big, massive things that you see on the road which take up the whole highway, um, whereas a camper van like what we have is uh, – like a, an old or a panel van, essentially, that's been converted um, into a living space. So ours is a camper van. It does have uh, a toilet, doesn't have a shower. Um, it has a little, the toilet's a tiny little chemical loo that sits behind Rob's driver's side seat, um, which is essentially our um, kitchen as well and bedroom. <laughs> Uh, do you do ones and twos in that toilet? Only twos. Twos are poos, aren't they? Twos are poos, yeah. Oh! Yeah. yeah. <gasps> oh. Well, because we can do peas, for our peas, we have pea bottles, um, which are smaller and just oh. sit around the the van. Um, whereas the, num- the poo, the, the chemical loo for poo, is only for emergencies because if we can, we try to get to a McDonald's or if we're at a campsite, we use the campsite loos. Um, whereas I'm not, I'm not pissing in a bottle or shitting in a bucket. I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm not doing any of those things. Don't make me. <laughs> no, so I, I don't think 
I think your experience might be a little bit more upmarket to ours. Um, oh, thank God but, for that. I mean, I mean, just to manage your expectations, life on the road is a little bit about a little bit of roughing it. Mm. But anyway, so that's that's kind of our setup. So we're a converted panel van with a small chemical loo. We've got a fridge. We've got what do you call it? Stovetop. Um, we've got a little sink. We've got a bed that is a seat during the day and rolls out to a bed. Um, but all this happens in about a two meter by five meter space. Wow. Yep. So it's all very minimalist living. So you can't have a lot of stuff. Um, although we do carry like our ski gear, we carry um, loads of clothes, probably more than we need still. And there are a couple of other reasons why I, I love it because it's minimalist, and which is something that I've learned um, by living in a van. Because when we lived in, before we moved into the van, we lived in London, and we lived in a big two bedroom two bathroom, roof terrace, sort of apartment uh, or flat in Hampstead, which you've been to. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I mean, that was the only thing I missed about leaving London was that flat because it was just perfect in every way, except for the neighbours, they were rude bastards. But Mm. um, what I didn't anticipate moving into the van was all the things I learnt, like a lot of life lessons, a lot of things I learnt about myself, a lot of things, a lot of... um, way new ways i needed to learn so you know it's very rare when it's just rob and i on the road you're never going to be able to go into another room and just chill out on your own you have to learn how to shut the world out in a different way um to be able to have some alone time can i just ask you what was the purpose of you doing the year on the road was it to to have some life lessons or was it just to have an adventure or was it because you were sick of life in london and the the fact that you were working for a very kind of capitalist company as a, a you know working as a banker and you wanted to do almost the opposite of that or you know what was the impetus to to get you out there yeah, I think it was – so I definitely was sick of my job anyway. Rob wasn't um, unhappy at his mm-hmm. at all, um, but I was really, really sick of mine. Um, it was – I was sick of the egos. I was sick of the um, the people saying they're leaders of this organisation and it was just really frustrating, frustrating me. Um, and then also my job was to make rich people feel better about being rich and that was really grinding against me. Um, and also – how much your the the money that you earn in banking was so disproportionate to the effort that you're putting in, it really just didn't sit well with me. So I just needed to take a step back and really um, wanted to strip things down. You know, and living in London is super and super expensive, um, and I wanted to test the theory, sort of test myself to see how um, how little we could live on while still seeing so much. And in our year, in our first year, we so we left in like October 2016 and we finished it September 2017 um, before we came to Australia for those three months. Um, but we saw, you know, we did all of Western Europe, Portugal, Spain, France. We even took a car ferry or campervan ferry over to Iceland and the Faroe Islands and did all of that, did Norway, Sweden, Germany, Poland. You know, so we did so much in a year and we went from spending probably – I don't know, four to four to six thousand pounds a month in in London to spending a thousand pounds a month in the in the van. Mm. So it just proved, and and how much more fulfilled were we? Massively, and how much more did we see? Loads more. Yeah. And um and all the different people we met, all the different sites we saw. I mean, it was just you know well worth it. So much so that 
now we're re-evaluating, do we want to go back to some sort of corporate-esque city living or do we want to keep going in the van? And as that time of recording, we are getting ready to go back in the van for another couple of months, um, which is what prompted the idea of going, right, if I'm going to live in a van, why don't I ask Roxy if she should live in a van for a little while? And it's interesting because... For me, everything that that you were saying about why you wanted to go and do the van mm. living, I mean, I really admire you and Rob for for doing it. I think it's awesome, but I I've never had that desire to try and live a minimal minimalist life because I feel that the majority of my life has been spent quite poor, and so um, I've never felt that I've been hugely wasteful mm. or anything. Mm. So, um, and the thought of being in a van, whether it would be with Danny Brown, whether it would be with you and Rob or anything for an extended period of time just fills me with the heebie-jeebies. Being in a confined space, being not having a, a, a base, um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not an attractive proposition to me at all. I would love the idea of travelling around for an extended period of time, maybe like six months or something, but doing it for a year in those kind of circumstances, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, it would, wouldn't be for me. Well, who knows? Maybe it would be for me, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be. Yeah. And I'm really, inter- I'm really interested in the difference between our experience living in a, in a, in a converted panel van versus living in a big Winnebago style motor home because you know we've met a lot of people on the road who have some really big van motor homes and they don't go without right they have okay, yep. double bed that's always they don't have to pack it away they have toilet shower they have um, microwave oven they bake fuck me i don't even bake fine no i know and um mind you they do have to be plugged into mains to to do that but still like do you really need an oven? Like, could you not go go without for just a little while, or could you not buy your baked goods from a bakery? Like, what's your? But I guess you know. I, I obviously don't connect with the cooking side of things, um, as we all know. No, are the people that have the Winnie Bagos are they more retiree type travellers? So yeah, we call so in the in in the biz in van life we call them uh, grey nomads. Mm-hmm. Um, they are grey <laughs> and they live on the road. Yeah. Um, so Robin, Rob and I had this image of when we packed in the, you know, packed everything, got in the van, drove off. We were going to be, um, it's going to be us, you know. We're in our mid thirties, Robin is late thirties. Um, we're going to be hitting the road, and we're going to meet all these fun-loving young people. No, for the first six months, I don't think we saw one young person living in a van. So where are so there's the grey nomads, and you're the gay nomads. So I think you need to start a whole movement. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, we are the gay nomads. Mm. Yeah, um, the all the young people were in the in the winter because we set off just as it was approaching winter in Europe, and all the young people flee to the likes of I reckon like Sri Lanka or the Philippines or Australia to surf, uh. um, and all the old people who are tight asses as well, like us, um, they do all the off season Europe camping. So all the campsites become super cheap. Uh, and they just toddled around the Mediterranean where it's a little bit warmer um, in, in that way. And then when the summer comes, um, none of the grey nomads want to be anywhere near the summer hotspots. They don't want to be anywhere near the Mediterranean. Um, so they they go back home um, and then the uh, all the surfers appear and they all live in their vans in like remote beaches surfing all day, every day. 
and that's not us because we don't surf. No. Okay. Well, does this mean that I'm hitching a ride with the Nana and Poppy and joining the Grey Nomads? Uh, no. One of your friends recently has um, packed in her life, correct? Oh, yeah, Lou. Yes. Yeah. Oh, am I joining Lou? Well, you need to ask her. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know where she is. Last I heard she was down near um, her her folks' place, which they live in the ACT, um, New South Wales kind of area. So, mm. yeah, I'm not too sure where she is, but um, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So give her, give her a shout, see where she is. Okay. Um, and then if it's not too much money, um, if you can go – Join her because, as as we know, on the turn does not have a budget. No. Um, but if you feel like you need a holiday, why don't you pop down and and join her on the road and then um, do a little bit of recording, take a video, um, and show us what it's like. Well, I know that Lou has more of the Winnebago style van, mm. um, which is good. That is good news. Um, she also travels with her dog, Doug. So that excites me because I love Doug and it's well, and I love Lou. So it'll be nice to spend some time with the two of them. Is there a time frame that you want me to travel for? Like, am I allowed to just go for a night, or do I need to go for an extended? Yeah, look, I think um, definitely more than overnight. You can't, you can't, you're not going to really get a. Otherwise, it's just a sleepover, right? Yeah. Um, in in a bunk bed. So I would, I hope if you can, maybe go for three or four days. Okay. Um, just so you've got to try a few different meals, different setups, maybe move around a little bit in the van so you get a f- little bit of a long journey if you can, um, squeeze that in, um, and, and, and just see what it's like. Also, living in such close proximity to another person I think will be an interesting test of, of uh, your character. Oh, yeah. I hope I don't give Lou, if she if she's up for it, I hope I don't give her the shits too much, especially if she's used to travelling by herself. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about getting murdered. There is that, you know, with my true crime. There's, there's a lot of uh, people that are mm. travelling in outback Australia, getting murdered left, right and centre. Honestly, those long-distance lorry drivers are just a nightmare. Um, is that true or is that a sweeping statement? Well, there's been a few cases of it. Yeah, I mean, Ivan. I mean, I'm not, I'm not dissing all lorry, long-distance lorry drivers. There's some lovely long-distance lorry drivers. And now I feel like they're going to search me out and kill me yeah. just because I've said that. But, um, no, that, that is a little bit, I'm a little bit frightened of going along those roads where um, they've got the, the road trains mm. and those roads that have just go on forever. But I guess if I'm only going for a few days, then I'm not going to be on those kind of roads. Yeah, I mean, you've got to, so what, what you've got to check, um, and hopefully Lou is a little bit, um, you know, up to speed on this, but you can't really... I don't think Australia is a country where you can just stop and camp anywhere in your van. You actually have to go to a designated area like a campsite or a motorhome sort of camper stop. Okay. Um, so there might be a little bit of safety in numbers there. Um, if it gives you any sort of comfort, when in our whole year away we didn't have um, any trouble, touch wood. Um, that's me touching wood. Um, the... We had one kind of scare. Do you want me to tell you a little bit about that? Yes, please. So we were in the Czech Republic. We pulled up in this uh, old quarry car park thing um, to stay overnight. 
and it was it was you know you can imagine it's just like a dirt a dirt area with a walking path down to the to the old quarry and you know there was another camper van there we stopped next to them and we set up and we clo- had our dinner and then shut down for the night and then at about midnight this all these cars pulled up and we're like oh I wonder what that is and we're kind of peeking out our blackout curtains and and watching and then these like these group of maybe five or six men started walking around our van and shining lights in <gasps> and um oh my god now we have blackout curtains so they can't see in to the van um but we could see the lights around the edges of the curtains and obviously our number plate has gb on it so they know we're foreign um anyway then they they walk off into the down this track and they disappear for a while and then they come back and they're shining torches around again (gasps) and all talking and then they get in their cars and drive away and we're like, and like, I we were ready. Like, I was like, Rob, you're gonna have to like get in the driver's seat. We're gonna have to screech away oh, in the fucking hell. But I think what they, in in hindsight, I think what they were doing was they'd pulled up. Maybe they had like they were growing dope or something out in the bushes, or they were hunting for mink. You know, with traps. You know, this is where our brain goes. Like, yeah. they've obviously got mink traps out there, <laughs> <laughs> and they were just checking out the vans that had parked up overnight. Um, not aware that there might be people, or not thinking that people might be a little bit spooked by the um, if they're living inside it. Anyway, that was the only trouble really we had. It scared the shit out of us, but we were fine. I think it's good though if you're traveling for a year to have at least one brush with death yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, um, and really that was it. Everywhere else it was super safe, and and you have safety numbers. So if you're with other motorhomes and camper vans, you kind of. Um, you know, st- stick together and and help each other. And in fact, there is a little bit of um, you know we're looked at. I think in the in the in the camper van, the motorhomes look at us like the 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 sort of poor little friend. You know, like <laughs> oh here they are squeezing in in the middle of us. And and when we take up a big motorhome spot, they get really dirty with us. It's like you don't need to be in the big motorhome spot. You could go park anywhere. And here you are with the big boys. Who do you think you are? Well, to be fair, I mean, I've seen photos of Karen the camper van and mm. she doesn't look very swish at all. So I would say that if someone was going she to... She can hear you. She's only on the front. <laughs> if someone was going to try and um, rob a camper van, they're not going to choose Karen. Mm. That would be my 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 thought yeah. on the whole situation. Let that be some comfort to you. But there are some really shitty motorhomes as well. Mm. Well, I'm not going in one of them. If Lou's up for it, then if Lou's not, then I guess I'll try and find a nanny and Poppy to yeah. get to ride with. Would you Would you like me to tell you where I am on the on turnometer with this whole? I definitely would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, I think if it if it does end up being Lou's van, then I I would say I'm a five because okay. hers is quite a luxurious van. If I was travelling in Karen camper van, mm-hmm. um, I, it would probably be a two. Ooh. The thought of having to urinate in a bottle or shitting in a bucket. I'm 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 48 years old. I, it was my birthday last week. Mm-hmm. I'm 48 years old. Uh, I do not need to be shitting in buckets or pissing <laughs> in bottles anymore. That, that happens again when I'm about probably 75. That's when that all starts. I'm, when I become your full-time carer. When you become my full-time carer. I'm going through a little period where proper toilets only, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think you should, like, even if, because Lou will have a chemical Lou in her thing and it will. it's exactly the same as ours, right, but. 
it will look like a toilet on top. Yeah, that's fine. That's that's okay. If it if it can con me into believing it's a proper toilet, like I've used the loos at festivals that have the mm. you know the portal loos or whatever. They, I've used them, so I'm not the Thunderbox style. Yeah, so I'm not completely adverse to chemical toilets. I just don't. If it looks like a bucket, then mm. that my big fat ass isn't going anywhere near it. You know, weirdly though, um, because ours is. Um, like you lift the lid up, it's, it's a toilet seat. Like it's not, um, it's just really compact and you're pooing in like a really tiny hole. Um, but <laughs> but actually I've never shit more perfectly than I have on that because you're kind of squatting. Um, and you know how they say you should have your feet up when you poo anyway to kind of open up your whatever, sphincter? Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, perfect poos, like complete ghosties. See, I'd be completely fucked because whenever I've tried to do that in countries where the only toilets have got a squat toilets, mm. I can't keep my balance, I get performance shy, it's just – but, I mean, if I'm only going for a few – I can go for a few days without doing a poo, it's mm. fine. Mm. I tend to – on holiday, I tend to get performance shy anyway. So, um, so but I will – if I do do a poo, I'll let you know. Yeah, please. Don't take, <laughs> don't take photos, though. I don't need that. Okay. Okay, off you go. Let me know how you get on. Okay, darling. Thank you for this challenge. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. I'm at the airport waiting for my flight down to Melbourne where I'm going to meet Lou. Uh, I had a lot of difficulty packing because I live in Brisbane. She's down in Victoria and the weather is about 20 degrees different between the two. and also, I've got no idea what one is meant to pack for van life living. So I'm going to be wearing some interesting outfits, shall we say. Layers. Layers has been my uh, my approach for this adventure. So I'll let you know when I get down there. Uru! Okay, I'm preparing for bed. It's night one. We're in a place called Bacchus... Because something, I don't know, we're in the middle of nowhere. Um, and it's okay. It's okay. Uh, I have not had to do a wee in a bush yet. I, I can't do a poo because obviously I've got performance anxiety. But, yeah, it all looks okay. I, I, I think it's going to be all right. I mean, I know it's only night one, but I think it's going to be all right. <sighs> Breathe, breathe. We're in Lou's van. It's the second day. I arrived yesterday. Had a pretty good night's sleep, all things considered. And we're in Bacchus Marsh. Bacchus Marsh, which is a lovely old town. Beautiful buildings. Uh, Went to the pub last night. That was fun. Just had an amazing breakfast. And now we're going to... Lurdenberg. 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 Yeah. And the um, Siri keeps saying it. Lurdenberg. Like she's proper Swedish. So um, I'll try and see if I can get her to say that for us later on. It's day three. We spent last night at a place called Blackwood. I couldn't record anything or do anything because we had no Wi-Fi and no 4G and even no 3G, so SOS only. Uh, it was lovely and fabulous and really quiet. And today we're at Ballarat and it's... I don't know if you can hear the music in the background. 
we're on a very different campsite to the one we had yesterday but we've had an amazing day so yeah it's 3 13 a.m and i woke because i needed to go to do away so i tried to do so without waking up lou but she was awake anyway because she'd just been to do away i had to get down the ladder open the door of the caravan walk up to the toilet block in the dark but it was okay i survived and i've been to do away now and now i'm going back to sleep okay report over it's the last day of on the road with louisa and dougie bush and uh, we're just driving from anglesey to Melbourne where Louise is going to drop me off at the airport Um, (laughs) and it's sad we've um, yesterday was a bit of a hairy day we didn't we didn't do any recording yesterday because um, we were so fucking hungover and (laughs) we nearly ran out of petrol on the side of a mountain and Louisa had to do a poo in the van so it was all happening yesterday (laughs) first time Um, But feeling much more jolly today and now I'm going home. Thank you, Lou. Any thoughts on the whole thing? Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Best house guest ever. Uh, She totally looked after me the whole way. It's just been so much fun. Um, You're going to miss Roxy. Oh, bless you. Dougie's going to miss you lots too. Oh, I'm going to miss Dougie and you as well. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime. Well, I might just take you up on that, Lou. So you're back, Roxy. You're not living in a camper van full time. I am not living in a camper van full time. I'm back in my in my study, come office, come spare bedroom, come craft room. Craft room. It's also craft room now. Been doing a bit of craft recently. Um, come podcasting studio. So I am definitely not living in a camper van. Did you enjoy it though? I absolutely. Loved it. Did you? I absolutely loved it, yeah. Going into it, I was kind of in two minds. You know, I was a little bit worried about the toilet situation, all that kind of stuff. Lou's, um, it's not a camper van, it's a motorhome. Is that what you would call it? An RV? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, not like yours, but it is probably the luxury end of the market there was a toilet on there there was a shower there was a kitchen um it had everything that you could possibly need in this world the thing that surprised me was that I am actually thinking I might like to do something like that at some point in my life but not as but not as luxurious as that probably more like what you and Rob have and there's a couple of reasons why. Oh. Would you like to know those reasons why? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to. I want to break this down into its component parts. Like, um, the toilet was only used when Lou had to do a hungover poo after we got stuck on, nearly broke down on the side of a mountain with no mobile phone oh. reception when we nearly ran out of petrol. And then when we got back to civilization, I just think she was like, I just need to do a shit and I need to do it now. So <laughs> that was the only time that the toilet was actually used. The rest of the time we were at campsites that did have toilet blocks. 
Um, Can I just ask one one thing? That how did you almost run out of fuel? Um, well, we were in a town. Uh, we, we did the Great Ocean Road in the end um, as part of it. We didn't know we were going to do the Great Ocean Road until day three, so we had two days to do the Great Ocean Road, which I think they suggest it takes four days to do. Um, mm. Anyway, we were in this town having breakfast. We were very hungover, and we noticed that uh, where we were having breakfast there was a huge queue of people for the petrol station and Lou and I were kind of like, oh, how ridiculous. I can't believe all these people are queuing up for the petrol station. It's a great ocean road. Surely there'll be loads of petrol stations. There is not. There are not very many petrol stations on the Great Ocean Road. (laughs) And Lou was pretty sure that she would have enough petrol to get us back to Melbourne if need be, but she didn't. So the petrol light went on um, because this is the first time she had really kind of let the petrol run that low. Mm. And so we were going on the part of the Great Ocean Road, which actually goes inland and goes up a mountain, and there's no towns, there's no petrol stations, there's it's reasonably remote. Um, you know, my whole concern about being murdered mm. <laughs> whilst travelling, that was going through my mind a lot because I was hungover and therefore feeling a little bit um, paranoid. Hmm. And so the light came on probably about 55 kilometres from the nearest town. And Lou wasn't 100% sure if the tank would get us that 55 or so kilometres, and it did. We basically pulled up to the petrol station and go... (laughs) (laughs) But we got in there, so it was fine. It was fine. Oh, dear. It was fine. And actually, as it got closer and closer to the town, it was once we got to 15 kilometres, I thought, I can walk 15 kilometres. I can go get yeah, the petrol yeah, for yeah. us and then catch a cab back and, and rescue Lou and D- Dougie the dog. Um, and then every kilometre closer we got, I was like, thank God I don't have to walk quite so far. And then by the time we were five kilometres, I was like laughing hysterically going, what were we worried oh. about? <laughs> because <laughs> five, I could shit out five kilometres, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, with fuel lights and things like that, you kind of have to go through it once, don't you, to see how far you can push it before you really, really know. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, Lou now knows how much petrol she can run on when her light comes on. So, and bear in mind, we were going up and down a mountain, so it would have been consuming petrol more than if we had just been on a flat road. Mm, Yeah. So, yeah, so I didn't use the bathroom facilities at all. In fact, I don't think I did a poo all holiday. Um, And whenever I did do a wee, there was only one night that I had to get out of bed to go and do a wee. Mm. Um, which involved turning on my mobile phone torch and walking down to the toilet block. Mm. Um, so that was pretty good. I felt reasonably civilised. Is that the bit where you recorded at 3am? That's correct. That is correct. Yeah. That was a bit creepy. <laughs> I did feel reasonably like I was in civilization, albeit that one of the campsites that we stayed at, which was actually my favourite, at a place called Blackwood, was extremely remote we were the only people in our part of the campsite um and there was no mobile phone access so if there was an emergency we would have been stuffed don't you find that well i don't know how much camping you've done in the past but rob and i certainly noticed that it doesn't matter 
whether you're in a camper van, a tent or whatever, often the conversation always comes back to toilets and toilet activity, how you're going to go to the toilet, how your movements are, that sort of thing. Did you find that? Mm. Did you find you and Lou talked about it a lot? <laughs> yeah, we did. I mean, we probably talked more about toilet business than usual. But then when I think about um, this particular episode of the podcast, I think we've spoken about toilet business more than usual, apart from the karaoke one where obviously we spoke about you shitting yourself. So um, yeah. so yeah. I think that, yeah, it, it is because you have to plan things. You, you have to plan mm. certain things in a very different way. Now that I'm a, a consummate uh, van, mm. van, what do you call them? Van, man, van. Van lifer. Van lifer. Um, you do have to plan things differently. So your toilet business is a is a major factor. I don't know how the great nomads cope because you know what they're like with their colostomy bags and their weak bladders <laughs> and them shitting themselves all the time. I mean, it just must be torture for them. Yeah, no, agreed. And what I would say, you don't even have to to talk about your bowel movements and your and your, your piss activity. You don't even have to know the people. We were we were staying in a um just like on a beach somewhere in Portugal, and this crazy old Dutch lady came over and proceeded to tell us about how to make sure our pee doesn't stink in our piss bottles, and also how she keeps her own shit in a saucepan in her own camper van and uses it as compost. Oh, okay. Now, now I have heard of people doing that. I always thought you couldn't use anything that had a meat-based diet as compost, but there you go. <laughs> I mean, thank you for the science. I didn't. I wasn't even aware of of that. So, but she did look like a like a dirty vegetarian, you know. So it was probably yeah. okay. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. That's why we can't put Valentine's poo. On our veggie garden. Mm. Oh. But you can put horse shit and... Uh, you don't want to give him a plant-based diet? No, he wouldn't cope. He's definitely a meat... He's a meaty eater, that Val. Mm. He's a meaty yeah. eater. So what were you were there... How long were you there for? Five, was it five days? Five days, yeah. Though I feel like it was five nights as well, but maybe it was... So maybe it was six days, five nights. Oh, maybe it was only four. I don't know. Right. It was there... For, I mean, time has no meaning to me in my life mm. so I was there for either five days or five nights and it was like a was it like a loop from Tullamarine Melbourne airport back along the Great Ocean Road back to the Melbourne airport so what we did was the plan was to go to Ballarat and the other place beginning with B that I always forget its name another mining town Bendigo Bendigo thank you um anyway as we left the airport because Lou had to go in a special lane because she's got the big RV mm. so from the pickup point she had to come in and and pick me up from a special special area and then we got so excited talking to each other that basically we did a circuit of Melbourne for about two hours mm. <laughs> um, uh, and oh. it was peak hour traffic as well. Oh. So then we decided that actually we weren't going to make it to Ballarat that particular night and that's when we ended up um, making a detour at a place called Backers Marsh, which we knew nothing about uh, and went into it and it was... Site, got ourselves set up and then went into town and, and had a, um, a counter meal. Mm-hmm. And um, going to Victoria, please go to Blackwood. It is such a cute place and beautiful, 
nature and um, lots of wombat holes. I was, yeah, he was lovely. Big shout out to him. I can't remember his name. Um, we met this old fellow that came with you in his van and his um, dog. He didn't have very many teeth. Um, the man, the dog did, but the man didn't. Go to Dalesford, go to Dalesford, go to Dalesford. So we did. Yeah. Oh, and we had a little minor accident as well um, where. Ooh, what happened? Lou misjudged parking and ran into a car. Yeah, it was oh. a parked car. Explored Ballarat and bought Lou a toaster because she didn't have a toaster. Did you get a special motorhome version of that? No, I just bought the cheapest one I could get from Big W, $9. We went down to Great Ocean Road, got fucking hammered down the revolting local pub. Great steak, like great food. And then we ended up at a place that whose name I can't remember. And then the day after that, we there and a swimming, indoor outdoor swimming pool. I oh, know it was posh, posh, posh. And then Lou, we drove to Melbourne the next day, and Lou dropped me off, and I went home. Oh. Rob will probably have to cut all of that out. That was the most boring story. I'm so no. sorry. <laughs> that was more um, for your information rather than our listeners. That wasn't boring, but we could do the little music thing again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you get hammered every night, though? Or was it just no. at once? In- oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, we were, we were pretty good. Um, I think that it's it's weird, like, for me to not have that kind of structure of working and chores to do, I mean, once you got yourself set up, mm-hmm. there kind of wasn't really anything that needed to be done. And I find that quite difficult. Like I find it difficult to go from having this list of chores or things that I would like to do around the house mm-hmm. to actually having none of that. And so I found it really difficult to relax and, you know, I just couldn't sit there and just read my book or anything. And I think that's just indicative of where my headspace is at the minute, where I've got a lot that I want to achieve in my life. And yeah, sort of, I feel like being on that kind of holiday, not doing something felt a bit wrong. I think when it comes to routine, like we certainly found when we left, um, even though we were keen to shake off the routine, we were still yeah. yearning for routine. So we we ended up finding routine in like for example, going down to the shop to get a baguette every day, or me uh, Rob cooking and then me going off to the campsite sort of sinks to do all the washing up, and that would be part of the ritual of the day. Um, and you kind of ended up looking forward to these points throughout the day. They were like your checkpoints, and everything in between was just up to you, whatever you wanted to do. And I get that. It's I found that you know. By day five, when we pulled up to the campsite, I knew you get the cable out for the electricity, mm. you plug that in, you, you know, you attach the hose to the water supply, you do, you know, I get the mat out, the tarp out, so we don't get any sand or dust or anything into the the um, the caravan. So I was really getting into how things work and little things like in the camper van, um, the fact that the cupboards, when you close them, you have to press a button so it stays closed and how to pack things so it doesn't move during your journeys. Yeah. And all of that I really pick, I feel like I picked up quite quickly and mm-hmm. I liked that, that there was a, a new thing for me to learn and there was a way of doing things that, 
actually made a lot of sense to make it a more comfortable and better journey for everyone involved. Mm, mm. But I, I definitely, if I, if I did do it, if I was doing it my way, either by myself or just with one other person, probably more if it was by myself, I would do it the way that you and Rob are doing it or I would do it um, in a car and I'd stay at campsites either in a tent or in the cabins because I would like the ability to be able to, once I'm based somewhere, Mm. then be able to go off and explore the local area. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Whereas with Lou's um, RV, because it is sort of once you're there, you don't want to pack everything up and then drive it. And also you can't kind of park in a normal car park in the middle of a town or anything like that. It's not that easy to manoeuvre. Yep. And I think that I would find that a little bit frustrating. Yeah. When, you, when you're saying you would do it the way Rob and I are doing it, you mean in a smaller vehicle? Absolutely. Because then I would be able to drive that as well. I don't think I would have been able to drive Lou's um what I would have done if I had to, but I would find it a little bit nerve-wracking driving something so large. Yeah, and I think like that's that's that was a big thing for us when we chose Karen the camper van because we count as a car when it comes to things like car f- uh, to f- for ferries and okay. when we go into undercover car parks. You know, we're less than two meters, so we get into most most places, and we wanted that that flexibility. Um, so that, yeah, I mean, the motorhomes that we see on the road are just fucking massive. Like they take, I don't know how they're legally able to be on a road. They take up so much space. How do you, how did you, like, did you go through, when you made your decision as to what vehicle you were going to get, did you consider the larger motorhome style or did you always know that it was a camper van that you were going to get? So the only thing going into it, the one thing we did know was we weren't going for a like a RV Winnebago style. It was just not of interest. We were interested in camper van and specifically because um, we'd done a lot of research. We were looking for, I mean, what I'll do in, in our show notes, um, we can include um, like a blog post we've done in the past about the sorts of setup that we've got and the decision-making process we went through. Um, but we wanted a van and we've got like a pop top so we get more space. We wanted to compact everything and then be able to stop when we set up, expand everything out again um, to the extent that your point about um, pulling up somewhere and wanting to go and explore the local area, um, you know, we've got a way to leave our spot at the campsite, partially set up, drive away and come back and make sure, know that we've got that same spot again. So like a drive away awning um, or something like that. Okay, yeah. Um, but, but again, like Lou's man is so big it's not a mobile thing you you sort of just dot around town in. So what we've seen on the road actually is a lot of the grey nomads will either carry, uh, sorry, tow uh, like a smart car. Um, okay. And so when they pull up in their, you know, semi-trailer sized RV, they unwinch the bloody smart car and off they go into town. Okay. Um, it's either smart cars or electric bikes were a big, 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 big thing. Um, or just regular bikes. Yeah. So Lou does have an electric bike and she has a cart for Dougie. Okay. Um, but it wasn't working when I was there. So and obviously I was there as well, so it wouldn't have worked yeah. unless she dinked me. Dinked yeah. me with Dougie in the back as well. 
Um, but did you did you see loads of other vans on the road? Yeah, so I don't know if they do this in Europe, but um, when we were travelling and we saw another uh, RV or caravan or anything like that, uh, it was a, a wave to each other. Mm. With obviously when they were going in the opposite direction and certainly on the Great Ocean Road there were like a gazillion of them. Every mm. second car was um, was either an RV or a motorhome or a, a camper van or something of that sort. Mm. Did you see those um, juicy juicy vans, juicy camper vans, the yes. green ones? Yeah, yes. they're everywhere, aren't they? Yeah, I did see loads of those. They're, they're like the younger persons travelling. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did, uh, you know, the whole minimalist aspect mm. of it, um, I packed what I thought was quite – I actually took my backpack that we travelled um, when we did our walking tour around Japan, not to Japan, mm, yep. um, around Japan. Uh, so I took that backpack with me and I actually packed it really lightly and yet I still had too much. Yeah, I think I was a little bit concerned about the weather, so I took lots of layers and things like that. Um, but I thought that was interesting actually how little I did really need. And Lou's um, camper van has a bed that's set up for her the whole time downstairs and I would go up to the bunk uh, to the upstairs, which is sort of like almost a queen size bunk, actually. And I sat really, really well up there. But it did make me think that it wasn't too cold while I was there. But as it came into winter, if I, if she was traveling around Victoria or, or even parts of the Northern Territory can get really cold, that if you were traveling with four people, you'd need even more stuff. And yeah, I think the, um, that's it. That, yeah. I mean, even we like, Every time we go back into the van, we try and cut down the amount of stuff because we still have leftover clothes by the time we do our next load of washing, which could be two or three weeks. It's just that you you can get more out of clothes, especially if you're driving a lot. So you're not really doing anything. You, you're just driving somewhere. So you just wear the same clothes over and over again. But also um, your, your point about um, sort of as you go into winter, we've just found like thermals. They are really thin and and pack small, but they are a layer that keeps you super, super warm. But then we're only taking one or two jumpers as well, or we've got these like, um, what do you call like down jackets, which squash into like a small stuff sack. Um, So when we're not using them, they just go under the bed or or away in the cupboard and we don't need to look at them again. And then we've got like, we've got some radiators that are really small, but really powerful and they just store away. So you, you learn, you pick up all these tricks along the way. What I would say is Australia's winter is probably not going to get as cold as what we've what we've slept through in Europe. Mm. So if we can do it in a van in Europe without even being – sometimes we've slept overnight in minus – probably the most we've slept in the van is probably minus four, minus five without being hooked up to electric. So we've had no oh, okay. no heating. Um, but, but what you do, if your van's insulated and you, you sort of just squash blankets and stuff like that into all the areas where the cold air might come up, and so you learn these tricks, like we go on all these blogs and um, speak to other camper vanners and all that sort of stuff, and you pick up all this stuff and eventually you go, okay, that works for us, that works for our van, that's going to be our new routine for cold nights when we're not plugged into electric. Yeah, and I think there's something I really like about that, like learning a new way of living. It's easy to get into your own routine and your own habits and taking certain things for granted and then learning new ways of keeping cool or keeping warm or 
what you you really do yeah. need. Yeah. It made me realize, you know, I've got so much stuff. Like for example, mm. I've got so many clothes that any night of the week, a bunch of fucking queens can come around and do drag, <laughs> and it's there. <laughs> and and do I really need that much stuff? Well, yes, some might argue yes because I do have drag nights, mm. but it's it does really make you question the amount of of crap that you do do have for those just-in-case moments. And when those just-in-case moments do happen, like with me going down and seeing Lou, I mean, she hasn't been travelling for very long when I went down there, but she went to a charity shop and bought a couple of blankets for the Mm. grand cost of, I don't know, maybe say like $10 in total. Mm. Um, You know, and that was her just-in-case. She didn't need to carry that stuff around with her. She bought it because she actually really needed it. For mm. that particular moment, mm. and I think that there's something really right about that. Mm. There's something really admi- not admirable, something just something really right. That's the way it should be. I think we live in such an excessive society where we do accumulate so much rubbish and junk and mm. and, and excess that we don't need. Well, there's two, I mean, there's two things that I take away from what you're saying there, which really strike true with me one is that problem solving like every day is a problem to solve mm-hmm. it's, whether it's something small or something big like how are we going to get there how are we going to get into that medieval village which has really tight roads and no parking how are we going to how are we going to do that or is it how are we going to sleep tonight um, because it's going to be minus five and we need to be warm are we going to go to a campsite are we going to you know, what are we going to do or we don't have much money so do we need to save money what are we going to do like that that kind of problem solving really appeals to me um, the other thing is there that you said there was the just in case. How much stuff are you holding on to just in case mm-hmm. something happens? And then you real you realize when you live in a van or live this kind of minimalist approach that the just in case is just in case it is minus five, or just in case it is a beautiful sunny day, or just in case we decide to go on a twenty kilometer hike, or just in case. Um, we decide to stay somewhere for three weeks without doing any washing. They're the just-in-cases, not just in case I want to wear a different color pair of jeans or just in case I want to wear a collared shirt rather than a T-shirt. Like those just-in-cases become less important to me. Um, And it's about the, not life and death because that's a bit extreme, but it's the, the practical necessities of, of living in a van, that's what the just in case becomes about. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a, a good lesson to to learn. I think it would be very difficult to have that in your life if you were dealing with work and fat, you know, ch- bring up children and having all that other stuff around you because you just want the easiest way of doing things and there are lots of just-in-case moments that will happen in that situation. Yeah, and look, I'm, I'm acutely aware that, you know, we have, we don't have kids, we don't have debt, we don't have property, you know, all those sorts of things. So it was very easy. It was, e- sorry, not very easy. It was easier for us to let go of our old life and to start this new life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our biggest, I guess, debate at the moment is do we get a dog or not? Because um, if we get a dog, it would be a great life for the dog to be in the van and get to go out to all these outdoor areas and all that sort of thing. But it means we can't go to um, necessarily to other countries for extended periods of time because we that's not you can't do that to a dog um, or it's not 
not cost effective um or it's not fair to leave him with Rob's parents for for three months while we go and live in Roxy's annex. Um, It feels a little bit like a first world problem um, in that sense, Mm -hmm. but um, we have met on the road many, many people who are whole families living in vans, homeschooling or sending them to the local school, um, that sort of stuff. So it can be done. It's, you know, there's loads of different types of, family setups that are that are living this life and doing it successfully and working and bringing up their families and, and raising their pets and all this sort of stuff. Which is great to hear because I think one of the things that about the grey nomad travelling community is that, like, now who was it? Someone was telling me about, um, oh, it was a funeral I did. So as a celebrant I do weddings and occasionally I do funerals and, um, without giving too much away about um, this particular person, but he, he had retired and had bought a caravan with the understanding that he was going to travel around Australia and then he died hmm. before he actually got a chance to do that. And I think the fact that you and Rob are the ages that you are, which is very young, <laughs> um, and Lou is the age that she is, which is also very young. She's in her, her mid-40s. To be able to do it whilst you've got your health, the energy, the um, probably the the vitality that you need to really make the most of getting out there and exploring these places. Whereas I'm not saying all grey nomads are like this at all, but I think for a lot of them, it's they get somewhere they're so bloody knackered that then it's just a case of sitting around resting, mm. and it's not necessarily taking advantage of everything. Well, they've got all the time in the world, haven't they? So they don't need to rush around like us young'uns do. Yeah, I mean, every every grey nomad we've we've spoken to in depth has said, "I wish we'd done this sooner," um, and mm. we we didn't realise we could could have done it sooner, knowing what we know now. I.e., it's a lot cheaper, it's a lot more doable. Um, one couple we met um, in Poland, they um, were going to do it for a year you know, rented out their house in Oxford or whatever, we're going to do it for a year and they're now three or four years on because they just figured they can do it and they just keep travelling around and around and around and they get the income from their property. So their circumstances mean they don't have to work. They're still young. They're still like early 60s um, and they just live off the income from their property and off they go around Europe every year. So, you know, you can make it work. I feel like we might be, maybe we should introduce into On The Turn sort of words of wisdom at the end where we sum up like, um, you know, like almost like life gurus. Oh, yeah. Because I, I could see myself as a life guru and I think I think you and Rob, could, our producer, Stroke Your Boyfriend, could be life gurus as well. So, you know, as our last words, we could say something like, um, so, listeners, <laughs> chuck in your jobs and go travel around the world in a van. Yeah. <laughs> You're so Oprah sometimes, Roxy. Oh, God. I I could see myself as the next Oprah. I really could. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, Rob has a great saying. I think he picked it up from somewhere in Scandinavia. But it, what is it? Um, there's no such thing as inappropriate clothing. No, sorry. Oh, God, fuck. I always fuck it up. Hold on. It's all right. Rob, uh, your boyfriend, our producer, can edit that out. Yeah, he won't. Um, there's no such thing as bad weather, only inappropriate clothing. 
Oh, now I've heard Rob say this before. But I've heard, you remember Martin and Amy, Martin's Norwegian, he said that once. He said, there's an old Norwegian saying, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, okay, so it's not Rob's. You know when you think someone's invented something, you know, like Jude, I I swear she invented FOMO, you know, fear of missing out, and I swear I can trace it back to 2003, Bright and Pride, where she said FOMO, and I swear that's where the world picked up on it. But, you know, it's probably not Jude. Yeah. My sister Jocelyn reckons she came up with the saying bad hair day. <laughs> she didn't, but <laughs> she was blind she did. I remember when I remember when she told me that and I was like, they're just three words put together in a logical kind of construct. It's called a sentence <laughs> or a phrase. <laughs> Though she did introduce, she went to America for her um, AFS Australian field services, like a, an exchange program. She went to um, Ohio for her year of doing that and introduced the word dickhead into, <laughs> into America. So just your... Uh, just to just to wrap things up, so I'm. We've talked about some of the, the lessons you learned. Um, what what was the mm-hmm. thing you missed the most um, while while on the road? Having a really good shower. Mm. Um, there were a couple of places that we stayed at where the shower cubicles were. You know, the, the shower pressure was pretty good. But it was more the fact, um, and this is something I would have done differently. Was I took my cosmetics bag with me and I wish I just had it taken almost like a, a basket that I could have poured my shampoos, mm. my everything and just carry down there and then carry back up again. You get down there and realise that you've forgotten your soap. It's like I can't be us going back up to yeah. up to the RV, which is, you know, a good, <laughs> good three minutes walk away, Dale. Um, bear in mind, I've got an ensuite bathroom, so I'm not used to having to walk that far. <laughs> yeah. um, so I probably that was what I missed most. Yeah, I mean, this is back to that problem solving thing. Like you, you only do that once. Um, you only make that mistake once, and then you go, okay, that's a problem I need mm-hmm. to solve. And then usually we're on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and we're or blogs, and we're looking at what other people do, mm-hmm. and then we find we we find or adapt something to our own style. But it's yeah. got to the point where you know me, I'm. I'm not I'm quite not lazy but like well I like to just keep things simple um so I've just I've gone off face wash I've gone off body soap you know the what is it shower gel sort of stuff I just use a bar of soap now I just can't be bothered lugging shit around yeah well I was the same so um there were a couple of times where uh I shampooed my hair with my body wash um, and I didn't actually use my soap. I just used my body wash because it's like mm. basically the, they're the same thing in different forms. Um, I didn't shave my legs or my underarms for the whole five days, which you might be going, ooh, but actually I barely have any leg hair or underarm hair because I've had laser um, done on it. So it wasn't that much of an issue. But I wouldn't have said that I looked to my spunkiest whilst I was travelling. I didn't wear any makeup for the whole time. <laughs> Quell Quel, Quel surprise. Is that the same? Quell surprise? Kel. Is that Chell? Kel, Kel surprise. Kel, Kel surprise. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's. Uh, it seems to be that whenever I do a podcast activity, I never wear any makeup apart from the drag queen episode. But I didn't wear any makeup. 
it was just like, yep, my hair's going to look shit. I'm going to be wearing clothing that's not quite working. I might be a little bit stinky, but I really don't care. I really, you know, I was just kind of like the, I spend so much time being prissy about things when I'm in a professional capacity and I'm not in a professional capacity now. So just go for it. Yeah. Just let it all hang out. Yeah. Tits ahoy, hanging down my knees, no bra, no knickers. No, I wouldn't have gone that far. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I even slept in my bra. <laughs> I even slept in my bra in case I had to wake up in the middle of the night and run into Lou. Didn't want her seeing my nips coming out at the bottom of my pyjama bottoms. You don't want a murderer to see your <laughs> boobs flapping everywhere, do you? Hanging down, leading. Yeah. When, 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 they, when they're trying to find evidence, where did she go? She <laughs> in the of the night. Oh, look, there's two nipple marks dragging along in the tracks. And also you don't want the, the, the murderer to tread on them. No. <laughs> Trip me over. Arse over tit. <laughs> oh, my nips. And also, to be fair, like uh, my my arm hair hasn't actually grown back properly since the drag episode either. Oh, so. There you go. Oh, sorry, not uh, not um. Rob's just pointing. Not arm hair, armpit hair. Yeah, sorry, I meant armpit hair hasn't grown back mm. since the drag episode. I must admit, I was quite quite surprised when you said that because I didn't think you did shave your arms. And I know some girls do shave their arms, no. but I would never do that. It's like no. And you know, I'm I'm not really into even shaving my fanny too much because I think <laughs> it is what it is. It's kind of if you can't deal with a bit of hair downstairs, just so long as it's, you know, manicured to a certain degree. But I'm not into the whole, oh, look, I've got a baby's vagina because that is just <laughs> wrong as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I like the way that even when we're talking about van life, we manage to turn it onto just being crude and revolting <laughs> and our usual normal selves. So that's good. So Oprah wouldn't do that, would she? Mm, I reckon she. No, Oprah doesn't fart. Oh, fart. No, she doesn't fart. But I reckon when she's got her mates around, she lets it all hang loose. She takes the bra off. Right. So, any final reflections or or anything to wrap up your your camper vanning experience? Um, no, I will do it again though. Oh, I will. Good. I've been actually thinking of ways that I can do it again in a way that would work for me. Um, I was Lou and I got on great. There were no problems whatsoever there. She was an amazing host. Um, you know, she did do all the driving and bless her for doing that. So now her and Rob should probably have a good old chinwag about <laughs> that, about having a passenger that <laughs> either refuses or can't drive. So, yeah, I, I, and I was a little bit, you know, I didn't want to give Lou the shits or, or whatever and I'm pretty sure that I didn't. So I felt quite pleased with myself about that. Um, no, it was good and it's definitely a way of seeing a country that you cannot see in any other way. Mm. You you can't visit those towns that that are on a map but they're actually not particularly well known. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't have an airport, they don't have a train station, they, they, they're not the be you know, the locals might go there or other people in the local area might go and visit them mm-hmm. but, Otherwise, why would you go there? Like Blackwood, like why would you go there? And yet we came across this most extraordinarily beautiful little town and it made me feel a bit ashamed about how little of Australian history I really know. So when we were in Ballarat, we went to the um, Museum of mm. Australian Democracy. Yep. I think that's what it's called. It's called MADE. Yeah, yeah. So I learned things 
whilst I was traveling and I wouldn't have done that if I was ever going to fly down to Victoria I'd fly down to Melbourne and spend the majority of my time in Melbourne and probably all my time in Melbourne doing it this way gets it allows you to see parts of the world that yeah. you would not see in any other way um, and I'm very very open to that I love an adventure I love exploring and yeah it was right up my street and I dealt with the whole take taking it rough god that sounds <laughs> sexy no I don't mean like taking it rough I mean living it rough roughing it up yeah even that yeah. sounds a bit weird roughing it up it, that sounds kinky as well but you know what I mean <laughs> even that um I I I I dealt with I don't know if I could do it as long as you guys are doing it for but I could probably do it for maybe a month mm. I would say would be my my I would give it a go for a month if I could have the opportunity to to work around it or have enough money saved to be able to do it. I would love to go and explore more of Australia and um, and see how I go and who knows, maybe come to Europe and explore a bit of that in, in a van as well. Very good. So when you before you left on your your little adventure, you were a five out of ten on the on the tonometer. Roxy, mm-hmm. where are you on the on the tonometer right now when it comes to camper vanning? Well, whilst we've been recording this, I've had a whole bottle of wine, <laughs> um, and I'm a ten. A ten. I'm a ten. Oh my god, we've made <laughs> we've made on the turn history. <laughs> Who would have thought it would be me that would score a ten by turning you onto something uh, rather than? The other way around. I really, really enjoyed it. And thank you. Big shout out to Lou and Dougie to say thank you so much because it was um, it was partly down to them that I had such a, an amazing experience. And I think when you try something like this, if you have a very positive experience the first time, then afterwards you might have a less than positive experience, but that positive first experience is enough to keep you going because you know what it can be Mm. like. So, yeah, I would definitely, definitely do it again. Um, When the opportunity arises, I I would definitely try something like this again. Oh, that's really nice. I've just welled up a little bit. Yes, thank you to Lou and Dougie for taking in uh, you, Roxy, because... we know how hard that is yeah. to take in Roxy. <laughs> um, but I was going to say as well, if um, obviously all the photos, videos um, and show notes will all be on our website, which is on theturnpodcast.com. Um, but as a little extra, if you want more, if any of our listeners want any more van chat, um, our producer slash my boyfriend Rob and I have a blog with all our travel adventures, which we've plugged before but now it seems even more appropriate um which is emergencystring.com where we've got photos of karen the camper van and all of our van life tips um and did you know roxy this is our 10th episode um of on the turn fuck me is it yeah We've been blithering on for 10 episodes. <laughs> ten, 10 goddamn episodes um, of our dribble. Jesus but, Christ. God, we can bullshit, can't we? I know, I know. But I don't think at once we've said um, to anyone who's just picking up on uh, this is their f- this might be their first episode that they've listened to that we've got nine other episodes um. of bullshit that they can go back and listen to. <laughs> um, can I just ask you, Dale, which is your favourite of the 10 episodes? Oh, mm. 
it's hard because we're in this one still, mm-hmm. and I feel like this will be a favorite of mine. But karaoke was, um, and, and okay, so oh god, now you've opened a whole can of worms. Karaoke because it, re- it really made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, but true, true crime because that's the one that stuck with me the most um, since. Like we, I just lis- just finished listening to the Silk Road um, three parter. Oh yeah, um, and the Yorkshire Ripper. And the Yorkshire Ripper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's really still – I get goosebumps thinking about it. I can't talk about it anymore. I think if I was going to say to someone, um, if they had not listened to any of On The Turn and we're going to start off with one, I would suggest they listen to the true crime one because mm. I think um, it's probably – I know that um, my dear host, Lou Bush, she has been turned on to True Crime Podcast as a result of listening to that mm-hmm. episode of On The Turn and there's other people that have been as well. So I think we weren't only yeah. successful in me turning you onto it, we were successful in turning some of our listeners onto it. The more people that are freaks like me, then the the better it is, a better world it will be. Yeah, our friend Anna Donovan as well constantly messaged me saying, okay, I finished this one. I finished this one about Case File, which episode she finished. So she's well and truly turned um, as well. Um, But we are, you know, we are light and shade, aren't we? Oh, we are. You know, we are educational on one hand Mm -hmm. and then talking about shitting ourselves on the other hand. So... You know, we can we can we can be at any any end of the spectrum. Can I just clarify? It's only about you shitting yourself, not me. <laughs> and Amy Vidler, but not Amy Vidler. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the other the other reason, because remember way back to our first episode, um, which was me trying to turn you on to Marvel superheroes superhero films. You mem- you remember that? Surely, I've I've tried to block it out, but yes, I do remember it. All right. Well, I was, okay. Well, I was just going to say that the next Avengers film comes out next week. Care factor zero, darling. All right. No. I mean, and Scarlett Johansson's blonde in this one. I don't care. You've already tried to turn <laughs> me. I don't care. Fine. Okay. Yeah. So. Anyway, you can find all of this on our website, ontheturnpodcast.com. We're on Facebook at On The Turn. Search for at On The Turn. Um, and we're on Instagram at On The Turn Pod. Thank you, Roxy. Thank you for the first 10, 10th episode, 10 out of 10 on the On The Turnometer. Yeah. I think, we, I think we should have some kind of party to celebrate. Like I said, I've had a bottle of wine. Ask me again tomorrow whether it would be a tip. You know me, I am a harsh scorer, so it might go down to 9.8, but it's definitely up there. No, we don't do fractions. We only do whole numbers. Oh, he made that rule up. Me? Now? Mm. Okay, well, I'm going to leave it there. Okay. Thank you very much, Roxy. Okay, Eri, thank you. Bye, love you. Bye, love you. Bye, love you. How shit-faced are you right now? Oh, not too bad. Not as shit face as I should be for a whole bottle. Um, but I did. I did get to have dinner, so I ate. So that that was good. Do you know what I had? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a corn on the cob. Mm. Uh, I had some asparagus that I just um, steamed. Did you go and um, do a pee and smell it? Not yet. I haven't done a wee since I had my asparagus. I love an asparagus wee. Only my own asparagus wee. No one else's. <laughs>